in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Uh, last time we started speaking about um, paradise uh, and uh, some of the uh, characteristics of paradise, so we'll continue um, with some additional um, discussion about paradise today. Um, one important uh, aspect or that we see revealed in a lot of the scripture and, and some of the stories that we hear about people who have had these experiences is how beautiful um, paradise is. Um, we know in John 14 verse 2 that the Lord says that in paradise we will have mansions in the kingdom of heaven. We will have mansions which are each of us like have a like a dwelling place, like a place to live. Um, in the book of Revelation, it refers to the, there being a sea of glass, which is like crystal, that is before the throne of God. Also, Revelation speaks about there being a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God. Also, St. John says about paradise, having the glory of God, her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. Um, the light that comes from paradise is from is or or heaven is is God Himself. Um, he is the source of light. When He says that He is the light of the world, He is the source of light, um, and it says, "For the glory of God illuminated it, and uh, and the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light." So all the source of light that we see in paradise is actually coming from God Himself. We're also told that we're able to see the tree of life, which has visible fruits and leaves. Um, and, and also th there's a, a lot of mention of like the, the, s the aroma or the smell uh, that is in, in paradise. So we know that there are these 24 angels, which are called the 24 elders, the 24 priests, um, and they have uh, sensors and are sensing, um, and it says about them, 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. So the idea that in heaven there is this aroma of incense. Also, it says, Then another angel, having a golden censer, was given much incense, and the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. Some people ask, why is it that we use incense in the church? And the answer is that everything that we do in the church and the way that we worship God in the church is a model of the things that are found in heaven. So in heaven, we find that there are priests offering incense, and that's why also in the church, the priest offers incense. There's another question of, will we see God in the afterlife? Um, we know actually from the Gospel of John, it says what, no one has seen God at any time. So God himself, like God the Father, is invisible to us. Like we, we cannot perceive him, we cannot see him. Um, but says what the only begotten son who is in the bosom of the father he has declared him this is why we say that the lord christ is the image of god because why because it is through the son that we are able to see the father it is through the son that we can have a glimpse of the father we don't see the father directly but we see him through the son christ had said what in john chapter 14 he who has seen me has seen the father Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. And so we're going to speak about some stories. Um, and these stories illustrate that we will be seeing the Lord Jesus Christ, who is in paradise. And he is the image of the invisible God in whom dwells all the fullness of the Godhead. So it is through the Lord Jesus Christ that we see the Father. And this is important because one of the main benefits that we had of the incarnation is that we are able to see the Lord. And it is through seeing him that we have a deeper sense and insight 
of God himself. St. Arrhenius, he said the following. He says, concerning the creator, he is the invisible God, as shall be shown as we proceed, that the scriptural passages which say, no man shall see God and live, and no man shall see God, are spoken concerning the invisible Father, the maker of the universe is evident to us all. So he's confirming this idea that God the Father is, uh, like we, we do not see him directly, he is invisible, he calls him the invisible Father, but we see him through the Son. Uh, elsewhere, he also elaborates that Christ became the dispenser of the paternal grace for the benefits of men, revealing God indeed to men, but presenting men to God and preserving at the same time the invisibility of the Father. So Christ became a mediator between us and the Father, and we see him, um, which, which preserves the invisibility of the Father, but at the same time reveals God to us. So God is revealed to us through the Son, while at the same time the Father remains invisible. Um, Father Tadros Malati, he says, If I cannot drink the whole river, would that mean that I couldn't drink of it in moderation and as much as it is convenient for me? What does he mean by this? He says, he's saying that perhaps in some sense we can perceive the Father, but not in his fullness, like not in his essence, not in his completeness, but we can see aspects of him. Just as, for instance, even though you cannot drink a whole river, but that doesn't mean that you can't have a little bit, right? So he's trying to say that we will have maybe some perception of God the Father, but not, not, in, its, not in his fullness. Um, in these afterlife experiences that will be presented, no one is described as seeing the full essence of God or seeing a manifestation of the Father in some form, but rather only seeing the image of the invisible God as was made manifest in the Lord Jesus Christ. Really, we have no example of anyone um, who's ever had any of these visions or experiences where um, they speak with the Father. The, who is it that we speak with? It is the Son. There's also um, descriptions of the type of feelings and the type of peace and calm and serenity uh, and comfort that people will have um, there in heaven. So as heaven is a place of joy where a person will be comforted and, and where there shall be no more death nor sorrow nor crying, there shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away. So the experience there is one of complete serenity and peace. Um, Mother Irini, she recounts a story of an appearance of uh, the Saint Abu Sifin, who is Saint Philopatir Mercurius, uh, to a man who had been mistreating his wife. And the saint described both Hades and Paradise to this man who was mistreating his wife. So it would like help revive the man spiritually, like seeing and understanding the reality of uh, Paradise and Hades um, in, this, in this vision. So this is, what, um, this is how the story goes that Mother Irini was recounting. So she said, then Abu Safain told the man, notice from what year was I martyred? Abu Safain was martyred in like the third century, okay? saying, from A.D. 250, from A.D. 250, I have been in paradise. And when Abu Sivain says that the afterlife is forever, he gestures with his hand and says the word forever with a bit of an elongated melody. The people that follow the commandments of God go to paradise, where peace and joy abound, and you are present with the Lord. Abu Sivain said, I'll tell you about paradise. The man replied, okay, tell me. He said, paradise is extremely beautiful. The plants and trees are beautiful. They're not like what you have on earth, but look like it. And the rivers look like crystal. And the most beautiful aspect of it is the Lord of glory. 
His light fills paradise, giving joy and peace, and all are happy and singing and praising and glorifying with the angels. So which one do you want? Meaning, is he asking, do you want, because before this, uh, he had also described Hades. He's saying, which one do you want, this or that, paradise or Hades? The man replied, of course, paradise. Abu Safin said, so repent. The man replied, well, if I repent, will God accept me? Abu Safin exclaimed, ah, of course, he has his arms open wide for you. Go into his embrace. So it gives us also kind of a, a sense of why God, again, allows these experiences for us to know both Hades and paradise. Um, to know Hades is to know that we definitely want, don't want to go there. And to know paradise is a place that entices us and wants us, um, you know, that we want to go to. There was also uh, an Egyptian woman uh, who was a Muslim, and uh, she was, her name was Nehid. And she tells also of a vision of Christ that she saw. Uh, her conversion story is in a book titled Islam Encounters Christ, a fanatical Muslim's encounter with Christ in the Coptic Orthodox Church. So we might be able to gather some more clues about the appearance of paradise here in her story. At one point in the book, she says about an experience where she noticed that she was dressed in a long gown that stretched to the ground with long sleeves and which was gray in color covered with silver. Her head was covered with a scarf of the same color. When she looked at the ground, although the dress covered her feet, she was able to notice that she was barefoot. Then she was surprised by the appearance of the ground below her. What a beautiful color. It was deep green. I have never seen such a beautiful color before nor experienced such a soft texture. I kept rubbing it with my feet to get a feel in order to understand what is this soft lawn might be. Afterward, she lifted her gaze and noticed a marvel that words can never describe mansions in paradise. So she's seeing these dwelling places of, of the believers that God has prepared for them in paradise, and she says that they are extremely beautiful. It is, it is as like castles we, we envision in our imagination. No, it was more marvelous than that. It was something that no imagination could grasp. A very big place that had tall columns, so high the eyes could not see their capitals, lined with a lustrous silk reflecting beautiful lights. Then she noticed something else about this heavenly habitation, the pleasant aroma. The place was filled with incense. I knew the scent. It was similar to that which I associated with Semya, but a lot sweeter. So there is this other Coptic uh, woman, her name was Semya. And whenever uh, Nehid, who at this time is Muslim, would, would meet with this woman and she would speak to her about the faith, she would always smell this incense smell whenever they spoke together. So she is recalling these conversations that she had with Semya, and that every time she spoke with her, she would smell this incense. At some point, she tells us she was granted permission to take a brief stroll around. She felt something akin to a breeze of refreshing cool air that swept over her and provided her with wonderful comfort. She conjectured that it seemed like birds were flapping their wings above her head, although she could, not, sh she could see nothing to corroborate her intuition. In this place, she felt imbued with a sense of peace, joy, and comfort. She was granted an opportunity to look around and saw beautiful scenery, which her eyes could not totally encompass, nor did she sense any limit to what she was observing. Then suddenly, Christ appeared. Some old men with very white clothes and long white beards knelt down as Christ walked towards his great throne, she tells us. He did not walk on the ground in steps, but instead walked as if he was being carried on a cloud or as if he, he was a shadow until he reached the throne and sat on it. The sight of Christ caused her to feel a sense of incomparable love, kindness, gentleness, comfort, peace, and happiness. 
This is how she described her vision. How wonderful I found myself following him without thinking and without intention. I followed him and knelt at his feet. A mysterious feeling swept across me, a mixture of joy, fear, happiness, and peace, and I felt a strong tremble throughout my body as if it were an electric jolt. I could not control my body. It quivered out of control. I asked myself, what is this mysterious feeling? Who is he I am kneeling to with all these men? I must raise my head and look at him to know who he is. I collected my strength and looked at him. Oh Lord, what am I seeing? I cannot describe it. I cannot find the appropriate words to describe him. What is this shining face and what is this crystal complexion? What is this beauty? He wore a light colored garb, had a crimson shawl on his left shoulder and his, and his golden hair cascaded to his shoulders like velvet. I kept staring at his bright shining face and at his neck. I looked like a pillar of pure, it looked like a, a pillar of pure crystal. I looked again at his shining face and his very fair complexion. The more I looked at him, the more I got attached to him, and the more and more I wanted to know him, to know about him and who he was. Suddenly he opened his eyes and looked at me. I could not take the look in his eyes and I fell on my face. Oh my God, what do I see? And what are these eyes I felt as if I was going to die or faint from what I saw? His eyes were big, emanating, uh, emitting powerful rays as if they were rays of the sun. The irises of his eyes were so wide that they could contain the whole globe. Their color was clear blue, like clear skies or like pure water with a tinge of green. What were these rays that fell on me and swept my body like electricity? I could not look at him for a moment. I wanted to know him. I loved him. I wanted to look at him. I gathered my strength. I must look at him one more time. Yes, I raised my head and looked at him. Oh, what a wonder. He is looking at me. His face is coming closer to me, and what a look on his face, loving, kind, and gentle. I love him because I feel his incomparable love to me, and for the third time I gathered my strength and lifted my head up to look at him despite the fear that gripped me and despite the fact that my body was shaking so hard beyond control. I was awash in comfort, peace, and happiness. I looked at him, and what a wonder. So again, this is another... Um, vision or another experience that a person had where they actually saw in paradise they saw Christ himself and they described uh, her experience of when she saw him which is uh, truly remarkable um, more about the aroma of paradise um, there's uh, these mentions of these smells um, that is commonly found in many of the stories related to these experiences um, this aroma that's present in the afterlife uh, w was described by an experience of a person named Salvius of Albi He's a 6th century hierarch of Gaul who returned to life after having been dead for half a day. And he gave the following account um, to his friend about his death experience. He said, when my cell shook four days ago and you saw me lying dead, I was raised by two angels and carried to the highest peak of heaven until I seemed to have beneath my feet not only this miserable earth, but also the sun, the moon, the clouds, and stars. Very similar to the story of Mr. Yu, who we read at the very beginning, that after he died, he was taken by two angels um, up. Uh, and so here, this man, Salvius of Albi, he's describing how he sees everything below him, like he's so far above the earth and the sun and the moon. Then I was conducted through a gate that shone more brightly than the light of the sun and entered a building where the whole floor shone with gold and silver. The light was impossible to describe. The place was filled with a multitude of people, stretching so far in all directions that one could not see where it ended. The angels made a way for me through the crowd of people in front of me, 
and we came to the place toward which our gaze had been directed even when we had been far away. Over this place hung a cloud more brilliant than any light, and yet no sun or moon or star could be seen. Indeed, the cloud shone more brightly than any of these with its own brilliance. A voice came out of the cloud as the voice of many waters. Sinner that I am, I was greeted with great respect by a number of beings, some dressed in priestly vestments and others in ordinary dress. My guides told me these were the martyrs and other holy men whom we honor on earth. As I stood here, there was wafted over me a fragrance of such sweetness that nourished by it I have felt no need of food or drink until this very moment. Then I heard a voice which said, Let this man go back into the world, for our churches have need of him. I heard the voice, but I could not see who was speaking. Then I prostrated myself on the ground and wept. Alas, alas, O Lord, I said, Why hast thou shown me these things only to take them away from me again? The voice which had spoken to me said, Go in peace, I will watch over you until I bring you back once more to this place. Then my guides left me, and I turned back through the gate by which I entered, weeping as I went. So we see also here the example of a person who sees this vision. Why? In order for them to come back and actually tell it to the rest of us so that we can benefit from it and we can see what is in store. There's another story about a monk from a place called Wenlock, um, and then he passed through the crossover realm that experience of the temptation of the demons um, and then he said he saw also a place of wondrous beauty where a fragrance of wonderful sweetness came to him from the breath of the blessed souls rejoicing together the holy angels told him that this was the famed paradise of god and then later on he said that he saw shining walls of gleaming splendor of amazing length and enormous height and the holy angel said this is the sacred and famous city, the heavenly Jerusalem, where souls live in joy forever. The book of Revelation also speaks about this heavenly Jerusalem, this city. He said that those souls and the walls of that glorious city were of such dazzling brilliance that his eyes were utterly unable to look upon them. We have another story about a nun uh, who's named Mother Elaria, and, and this story was also said to us by Mother Irini. She says, Our Mother Elaria was a holy nun. She was nominated to preside over the convent of Ebusufain, and she was well qualified to lead the nuns. She loved prayer very much. One day a nun that was a physician came to me and told me that she saw our mother Elaria kneeling in her cell. In front of her was a manuscript of the psalmody prayers and she looked very tired. I told that nun to check on her. She did so and found that mother Elaria had departed to the Lord while she was kneeling and praying. There was a nun that loved her tremendously, and so she was grieving intensely. That nun was praying in tears one night, when suddenly she saw appear before her a nice handsome man who asked her to make the sign of the cross. She made the sign of the cross and then asked him about his identity. He told her that he was an angel that came to take her to paradise and to show her Elaria. She thought that this, was meant for her, that this meant her time of departure to heaven came. He told her that a divine power would lift her up. So this nun who was grieving about the, the mother Elaria who had died is now going to get to see her actually in, in heaven. She stood next to him, and sure enough, a divine power lifted him up toward heaven vertically, and then they moved in a horizontal line. She saw vast places. Every section had green pasture and was very beautiful. The places were separated by long corridors. The Lord of glory appeared, sitting on his throne at the end of each hallway, just like in multiple places. 
All the souls could see the Lord of glory. She saw a pure crystal river. She could not describe the beauty of what she saw, as St. Paul said, things that eye has not seen. The angel left her with our mother, Elaria. Mother Elaria asked her why she was weeping, and to console her, she told her that she is in a place of great glory, rest, and peace. Mother Elaria talked to her about the beauty of heaven. There is a difference between one person's place and the other regarding the amount of greenery and flowers. One can have more of them than the other. So she's speaking about how not everybody has exactly the same reward in heaven, but different people have different things. Um, it is as scripture says, one star differs from another star in glory. But our Lord Jesus Christ is seen by all. Mother Elaria told the nun, come and see my place. She found it beautiful and bringing joy. It was in a desert and around it there was no greenery or flowers. So she was in a place without any of that. The nun asked her, Mother Elaria, why do you have your place here while you were a nun and an exemplary person? She said, because my hands were tight. So the nun asked her, and what did you have to offer? So the hands are tight, meaning she doesn't want to share her things. Like she, she refuses to give of what she has to others. She replied, I was a miser, and I would never give my things to any nun. In the past, the book of the Paradise of the Father was not available to every nun. I used to have one. However, if a nun asked me to lend it to her, I would not, as I feared that she would tear it. And if I ever gave it to one, I would keep telling her, look after it and don't tear it. The son asked, sorry, the nun asked, and why is this a big deal? She said, it implies the love of possessions. Besides, I had other things which I would not lend to the nuns to keep them in good condition. When the nuns used to collect money for the poor families, I used to refuse to share. She also asked our mother, Elaria, if she could meet the Lord of glory to thank him and worship him. So this part um, where you see kind of the this nun, Mother Elaria, she was in paradise, and she said it was a place of great comfort and, and, and glory even for her, but it was a desert in, in, her, in her description. It was a desert and didn't have any greenly greenery or flowers. And when she was asked why, it was because she was miserly and she didn't want to share her things. And it maybe is convicting to us um, when we read that. Yeah, very, very concerning, right? Um, but I it's not to say that she was not happy there, right? But there is a distinction and that God is going to give each one according to his deeds. And even that's why we say that there are levels in heaven and there are even levels in Hades. Not everyone is the same. But it's a lesson for us to, to look at this and to see that the, the actions that we do in the world are going to be something that follow us um, even in eternity, that she knew herself and she knew what she had done in her life and she knew why she was in the place that she was. It doesn't mean that she was sorrowful. It doesn't mean that she was living a life of, of regret. But at the same time, she could identify why she was in the place that she was. So maybe something for us to think about um, uh, to realize that that is the case. So this nun now, is speaking to Mother Elaria and she says, I want to see the Lord. Okay, I want to see the Lord. Our Mother Elaria told her that she would be burned because she still had the flesh that could not endure the fire of his divinity. She said, you cannot stand going there. Why, the nun asked. Um, she answered, you would not be able to put up with his strong light. So the nun asked her, then how do you see him? She replied, I am not in the body. I have abandoned it on earth. So the nun told her, I would like to give it a try and go as far as I can. 
The nun walked with her a long way, and the angel was with them. So Mother Elaria, an angel, and this nun who had s- seeing this vision are going to see if, like, how close this nun can get to see the Lord. At the end of the way, the Lord Jesus Christ was seen sitting on the throne. They kept going closer and closer to him. The closer they got, the more she felt his splendor, and his light started burning her like fire. She then said, No, Mother Elaria, I cannot get any closer. But she would reply, It is all right. Give it a try. The angel, too, was encouraging the nun and telling her try. She did try to get closer, but felt that her face was burning. So she finally said, That is it. I cannot come any closer. And the angel told her, Yes, that is enough, as you are still in the body. When the nun saw the Lord of glory, she saw his eyes full of love, compassion, kindness, and exceeding fatherhood. She wanted to throw herself in his bosom, and she was filled with great joy. No matter what I say or describe, the nun said, I can never find words that express and reveal the love, kindness, and tenderness that emanated out of him. The angel came back to her and told her that the Lord of glory commanded the angel to show her the places of the fathers of the saints, her father and her mother. Her parents had beautiful places, but the place of her mother was more beautiful because her mother was simple and pure. She told the Lord that she was willing to stay in paradise, remaining with the Lord and not returning to her life on earth. The Lord of glory told her that she should go back because she came with her bodily flesh and that she still has to fulfill her mission and calling. The angel took her hand and they walked horizontally and then vertically downward. Then she found herself in her cell. She went to meet the nuns and they found that her face was reddish and radiant. Her skin stayed like that for two months. Then the light faded gradually. So another remarkable story speaking about someone who has seen paradise and we see a lot of commonality. The people that see the Lord and how they describe him as being beautiful and radiant and without like with words that cannot be used to express how he was and seeing his love and compassion and also that he is a source of light and also we've seen several stories speaking about the the degrees and the levels of heaven and and we saw that in this story um, as well. So that's all I have for today. Does anyone have any uh, questions or comments um, before we conclude today? Difficult? What's difficult? It it is humbling. Um, When we know what to expect in the future, it helps us to prepare for it. And, and that's the reason that God reveals these things to us, because it helps us to prepare for it. That this is truly a life. Like, this is life. It is not something beyond, um, you know, beyond comprehension. We can actually understand some of these things. We can see that the life there has certain characteristics. And what are those characteristics? And how do we prepare ourselves for that time? So I think the, the greatest thing that we do here on earth is we continually seek God and we repent of our sins. And we ask God to to protect us from, you know, all the temptations that we experience in the world um, to help prepare us for this moment. Because once you are here in this place, like this is this is our place for eternity. And that is a a kind of a frightening, sobering um, thought that. uh, What do you mean by care?
I think it had to do more with her um, her attitude in many things. So, for instance, yes, she didn't want to give the book. She also didn't want to give uh, other things when she said there was an opportunity for a charity she refused to give. Um, so it was maybe more of a reflection of her attitude as one of maybe uh, just wanting to keep her things for herself, regardless of the reason. Maybe in one case it was because she doesn't want the book to be torn. Another case she just doesn't want to share of her things. Um, but she still went to heaven. you know. Th and that's the thing I, I also want to emphasize is that God is not trying to... <laughs> what? Wait, she was a nun. <laughs> well, also don't forget that it says what to whom much is given, much will be required. Okay, you know when you read like the we we talked about this in the series about the desert fathers, right? When you read about the desert fathers and the type of discipline that they had. Because they were people that were given by God the gift of essentially being able to forsake the whole world and live a very ascetic life in the desert. So their standard of, of like what was expected from them was very high. Okay, Maybe the, the standard that God is expecting for us is not as high because we don't have the capability to do it. So everyone has a certain capability. And our, our goal is to reach the capability that God has given to each of us. The same is true as everything in life. You know, you might have a person maybe who was born very, very intelligent, and they can, you can, they can get straight A's on everything. They can be very successful in anything with barely putting any effort. Whereas someone else maybe doesn't have that benefit, but that person who maybe can't get anything better than C's, it's still trying their best, and them getting a C is actually in the eyes of God, even better than the A of another person. So the idea here is not to compare ourselves with other people right because that that there's nothing good that can come from that okay from comparing ourselves to other people the, the idea here is we compare ourselves to the word of god and we say well this is what god called us for we try our best to reach there but it's very humbling in the sense that at no point in time in our life should we stand proudly and say you know i've got it all together it doesn't matter what i've accomplished it doesn't matter who i am or what position i have or, or whatever i should never feel like, you know what, I, I have it all together. Because who knows what we're going to hear on that day when we go there. What is it that God is going to say? He's going to say, you go to this place, why? Because you did such and such, because you lived. Maybe those things are not even in our minds now, right? So so St. Paul himself, he said what about himself? He says, I know nothing against myself, but I am not justified in this because maybe there's something about myself that I don't know, Right? And that's why we always ask for the mercy of God and that he would forgive us our sins. And that's why repentance is so, impo so important. Okay, any other comment? Okay, let's pray. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. We thank you, O Lord, for revealing to us all of the grace and the love that you show to your people, both now on earth and in heaven above. We thank you, O God, because you are merciful and kind, and you protect us, and you lead us, O Lord, in the path of salvation. Help us, O God, to fulfill our, our potential that you have given to each of us, and to use our talents to its fullest, and to serve you, O Lord, and to repent of our sins to the best of our ability. Help us, O God, to be pleasing in your sight, and grant us your favor and grace. Grant us your mercy, O Lord, and forgive us our sins, and teach us, O Lord, how to live a life that is pleasing to you. Through the prayers of St. Mary, Archangel Michael, St. Paul, St. Mark, and all your saints, hear us as we pray thankfully. 
Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The love of God the Father, the grace of the only begotten Son, our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ, and the communion and the gift of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go in peace. The peace of the Lord be with you all. Amen.